0: Frenzy is presented by Nova Home Loans. Call 577-2600 for help in buying a new home. Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota studio. Five o'clock hours here. DeMond's back in studio. We are out here at the NBA Summer League. Rocking and rolling. As uh, John Von Tobel mentioned, Orlando Robinson, who was a real thorn in the side of the running rebels for a while at Fresno, has made his way to the NBA. Was more of a—he's a two-way player last year. He got—he got some time on the roster, right? Uh, but he is starting to kind of advance to the point where maybe an option, um, which is interesting, because maybe in the future he could land with the Lakers. We're going to talk about the Lakers big man situation in the middle of the hour. With uh, NBA Insider. Who did you talk to? Jovan uh, Buha. Yes, we're going to talk to Jovan Buha uh, in about 30 minutes. But uh, good for Orlando Robinson. His stories are a very cool one, and I will – I'm not I'm – not, I like Marvin Menzies, and I like that staff, and, we, you know, we talk to Coach Joe Esposito all the time, and I always bust on uh, – bust Joe's chops about Orlando Robinson, whose mom went to UNLV, Yeah, and they didn't recruit him hard enough. Uh, really, they didn't recruit him. And then he pops up at Fresno and was just a pain
1: in the keister for uh, multiple Rebels coaches. He, so if the Heat trade for Damian Lillard, their roster is going to get, like, gouged. He's going to have time in the NBA. They have a track record of developing players, as we know. And when I was watching him the other day, Steve, I was sitting here watching him play up close. You know, I don't know if it's because college is a different game and I never really realized it, whatever it was. Like he's switching on the guards and like going out along the perimeter and staying in front of them and not getting blown by and guarding effectively for a big dude out there yeah. and like he's got a little like put the ball on the ground game and like like he's got a really I think a far wider skill set than I remembered when I watched him play at Fresno State. Yeah, he was never helpless on the perimeter. Right, and he did like to face and he did like to shoot threes and
0: that's why he was good inside-outside player and you know can defend a little bit inside. So we'll have some Lakers big man talk and uh, also. Uh, get into the lakers summer league roster here in just a couple of minutes but uh we do the frenzy in the five o'clock hour it's brought to you by our friends at nova home loans make sure you check it out as they're they're fighting for you at nova home loans because these interest rates right now are uh, are pretty crazy uh five seven seven twenty six hundred to call nova home loans all right let's get into some of the headlines our frenzy at five o'clock, uh, we've been talking for weeks about what Netflix was offering up with a uh, eight part docu series called "Quarterback," around three NFL quarterbacks: Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, and uh, god, Patrick Mahomes and the whole Mahomes group. The wife—I don't know—I didn't watch the whole thing yet. You can binge it. Which, by the way, so I don't know if his brother is featured, but by the way, I—that is one of the things I don't like about Netflix because I like to have a pacing when I watch shows. I don't need to watch 8 episodes and try to cram it into a, you know overnight or a Saturday.
1: I saw people tweeting like just got done watching all and like they're they're an hour each. Yeah. Like, How I'm do you not, find not, the time?
0: I'm not doing that. Not doing that. I want to I want to watch it, let it marinate. I might watch it again. I thought episode 1. Damon, I don't know if you watch this. We're going to do our uh, TV list in a little bit. Did you get a chance to sit down and watch it?
2: No, I have not checked. It okay, out yet. so
0: I don't want to spoil too much of it, and that's why we're not going to get into a whole lot. Um,
2: spoil away, it, isn't it all from last season? Yes. Spoil away. Uh, no, yeah, because I
0: mean, no, there's a lot of
1: behind-the-scenes you stuff know, you want to watch. Spoil.
0: It's, a, it's, a, it's the it's uh, the kind of the nooks and crannies of games. Uh, I guess I'll spoil this one. Um, like I thought it was pretty interesting. I remember watching Kirk Cousins just implode against the Eagles. And there were a couple things in the game I I don't remember happening or why they happened or didn't realize. Uh, He had thrown three interceptions, and there was a moment where, was it Justin Jefferson? Yeah. Who cut off a route, and Kirk Cousins looked like an ass. He threw it right to a defender at the goal line, and then they walk off the field together, and Kirk Cousins wasn't like, ah! you You made me look terrible! Just calmly tried to get an answer from him, like, hey, what happened there? Yep. You know. Well, next time, please don't cut it off.
1: And and the important part about that exchange, by the way, Jefferson apologized. So, like, if anybody's out there, like, no, you know, that's not how it goes. No, Jefferson in the audio, you see him apologize to him, like, yeah, my bad,
0: man. Receivers make mistakes, and that a lot of times that does lead to interceptions. It's not just the quarterback, but Kirk Cousins. People are so against Kirk Cousins, and you know the prime time Kirk and how he fails and all that. Like, it's not always on the quarterback. But but he also did admit early in the game, again. Kevin O'Connell. It's a new system. He like jacked up something on the first series where he, I think he
1: audible to the wrong play. No, he had a five man front. I just watched this right before yeah, you. did okay. so, so he had a five man front, and he was supposed to check out of it. Okay. It was a run play, and he, he was like, you know what? That's a five man front. Like I should check out of this, but he didn't. Ran it anyway, and they lost a yard in the first play. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, one of the charming things
0: about the Vikings is their play-by-play announcer is <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't like Homer announcers. They can be funny, but. Paul Allen's really weird, and he he just gets so negative. Like at the beginning of the game, he's just like, "Well, that's a terrible way to start." It's relax. So funny. I mean, you're going to see that throughout this. It
1: was the first play of the game. He was so down.
0: (laughs) Down. Uh, But you will get the juices flowing watching this. Like I said earlier, I love football behind the scenes, on the field, the stuff you can't hear. You get all that. I knew we were going to get a lot of Patrick Mahomes speaks one way off the field and when he's on the field he is a beast and he talks a lot and if i were on the opposite side i want to i would want to rip his head off because he's so freaking good that's frustrating and then he talks and then kelsey talks and they celebrate together this portion and this is a courtesy of netflix this is getting set up for that early season whatever it was week five uh raiders and Chiefs game that the Raiders were kicking ass. And, of course, you look on the other side, you're like, are they going to get it done? They didn't, but here's kind of the setup to the game.
2: Tonight it's the Raiders and the Chiefs, and it's Monday Night Football, two
3: franchises that have tried to pulverize each other for 63 seasons. Raiders week is the one rivalry in this league that I feel like is like a college rivalry. You have that little bit of hatred towards that team, and you can feel the energy. It's just different. Ah,
0: So you hear that, and it's, you know, screaming on the field, uh, getting ready for the game. You hear that, and it's like, oh, you know, what's he talking about? I'm telling you, the former players we talk to, I hear the same story all the time. And I hear it about the Chiefs side. I'm not saying it doesn't happen on the Raiders side, because I think the Raiders have forever hated the Chiefs, and I know the Chiefs have hated the Raiders. So to hear Patrick Mahomes say, hey, it's like a college rivalry is kind of cool, because we've heard from Mark McMillan who got time with the Chiefs, Stanford Rout, who played with the Raiders, and the Chiefs, and others, other former Chiefs that, you know, if you go back to, like, Marty Schottenheimer, they said Marty would come in the locker. The intensity of that week, Raiders week, would be insane, and Marty would come in the locker room before the game and get so worked up he'd start crying because he was so freaking jacked. And I love that about
1: that rivalry and the NFL where you're like, oh, it's just business. no. They are into this. And that's one of the, I guess you'll call it, like the eye-opening things for me was this portion that we're about to go through right here because I was one that would poo-poo that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like it's free agency era. They're, they're changing teams. Like there's no real loyalties. There's no real bad blood. But when you see this kind of play out, and I think it is different for guys like Patrick Mahomes and others who have been there for a while. You, you know, So you're, you've been in the division. You've been with the team. You are the face of the franchise. So it does, I think, smack a little different for a guy who has been there for a while.
2: The Chiefs must account for Max Crosby. He's in trouble, and Max Crosby's going to sack him. Back
3: up the ball. Crosby giving pressure up the middle. Spoltos is through and takes him down at the 35. There's always mind games that you play in the NFL. He was trying to do whatever he could to kind of get in my head, a little push or a little shove. 98 times that me at every play. And then he, he kind of gave me one of those extra punches on the arm. I, I know what you're doing, but just chill out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Don't just punch me for no reason, dog.
0: Okay.
1: What did you think of what he was calling a punch? Okay, this is where I start to change my thoughts. I have a big picture thought of Patrick Mahomes. Yep. That was not a punch. No. I've punched my siblings, and I have all sisters. I've punched my siblings harder than, than the punch he received from Max Crosby. Unless they didn't show the actual one, the moment that they showed, that was not a punch in any way, shape, or form. No. Um, I mean, he definitely
0: did it after the play. Yes. It's annoying. Um, you could also see there are times, and all def- not lots of defensive linemen and, and other defenders do this. If the quarterback is on the ground or running backs on the ground, wide receiver, you'd see guys getting extra shots in, and they're late, but they're not going to get penalties. But you, there's a little bit of you know busting chops, throw them off their game, maybe do a little bit of damage, you know, stings for a second. But Mahomes was really worked up about it, and obviously the setup here is. The Raiders are up 17-0, and now Max Crosby has awoken the beast, and here comes Kelsey. I'm oh, sorry, I'm doing Mitch Holtis, who, yeah. by the way, is awesome, on the Chiefs Radio Network. And as the game goes along, you remember, Kelsey is just running all over the field, catching touchdowns, and no one loves to talk trash more than Patrick Mahomes, who then is like, okay, Max, and you'll you, you don't get it from the sound. But you get a moment here where Mahomes is barking at Max Crosby. Crosby you know, runs or walks like 15 yards and gets right in his face.
2: And the Raiders now lead
3: 17 to nothing at 9.22 to go in the second quarter. I was already frustrated. We weren't playing at a, a good enough uh, level that I expected. And uh, it kind of just snapped.
2: And now the Chiefs will have second down and oh, goal to go. Mahomes takes the snap, fires it late. Kelsey at the catch inside the 10. step arms one, stumbles into the end zone. No, 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 no. I'm here all day, I'm here all day, I'm here all day, I'm here all day, I'm here all day.
3: All of a the- sudden, I go into that mode where I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just kind of blacking out and going crazy. I'm here, I'm here. Whenever Coach Reed has to grab you and, and pull you aside, that's when you know you're going a little too far, because he's usually like, let your personality show. Um, and Coach Reed grabbed me and was like, hey man, we got to calm down just, just a little bit.
0: Yeah. Uh, by the way, with the Thomas and Mac NBA Summer League, we're here. We're here. We're here. We're. here. We're he-, he said,
1: "I'm here." Like fifth, change it up. Yeah, we did. You woke up <laughs> the wrong mother bleeper. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I also love by the Max way. Max got right in his face and gave him actually a headbutt, and I think I think Max Crosby was like, "What? The- like, what's going on here?" Like, he wasn't backing off, but he was like, "This guy's
1: going crazy." That, and what I also find, look, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, it, is awesome. it, it, it was great. And Patrick Mahomes was a great in that game eventually. But what I love about that moment is Travis Kelsey ran like 15 yards, destroyed a yeah, dude yeah, yeah. to get into the end zone, and it's Mahomes. It's like, I'm here. I'm like, <laughs> he did all the work. Not
0: you. Well, he did some other good work in the game too, though. Well, no, and, that's what I'm and, and, saying. Yeah. Eventually he did, but yeah. in that moment, it's just yeah. funny
1: to watch him get that oh, fired yes. up.
0: I love it though. I love I love I love the reference to I just lost my mind. I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah. It was cool. And like, then Reed's like, okay, calm down.
1: It was cool. The documentary as a whole was cool. Watching the home dynamic was cool. Like getting those moments in the games. Like you already remember the moments, like the big picture moments, them coming back from that deficit, all of those. But the little intricacies in between and in their interactions. Like, and the cool part is it's not like bleeped. It, well, it is edited down, but it's like it's not bleeped out. You get to see all of it. it it's good. But. Okay.
0: I think Mahomes is, I like him, but I think this is going to erode some of my, that's not respect because um, I don't hate him, but I think I, there might be a little bit of that creep, that creeps in because he, he is a wiener when he's riding high. Yes. He, is, he is a very barky uh, celebrator yes. on the field. And it's a, it is annoying. On and off. Yeah, he liked telling the story afterwards. They,
1: there was like three different moments of him regaling people with that story of him beating the Raiders and like telling him that they woke up the wrong guy. It just there's little things with the personality I'm really interested to see, too, because like you said, they are also they're not going to show a ton, but little parts of the personality for all of these guys are going to bleed through. You're going to see them. Mm-hmm. And. Watching what Mahomes really is is going to be very interesting, or at least getting a little piece of it on this show right now with
0: this crew. Will anyone say that they? No one hates Mahomes, right? No, Demond.
2: I, I don't really care for him.
0: Okay, there you go. All, all right, right there you go. yeah, all
2: right. Someone's got to step up. Yeah, I, I will
0: tell you. Uh, I'll watch these football, you know, docu series, uh, especially Hard Knocks. Uh the SO will watch. So the significant other, my girlfriend, is a Chargers fan. And she's getting crazier now with Justin Herbert in terms of the expectations. And she goes she goes hard during the football game. She gets pissed. And when the when the show started, we watched episode one. This is quarterback on Netflix. She's like, Well, who else is featured? Is Herbert featured? I'm like, well, no. And then like within a minute, she pulled up, she's like, Watch this video. And it was like Herbert in a freaking sub commercial with Mahomes. She's like, "Watch this." I'm like, "All right,
1: okay." Like you're
0: the producer, who decided <laughs> which guys to choose for this thing. She's mad, yeah, legitimately mad. She's like, "Well, he should be in it." Well, I think I'm like, I don't, I don't know how they chose it, but he's not going to be in it. Oh, I think well, I he will. Know.
1: He's gonna be featured at some point, right? But I think but. I know how they chose it. I, I, I actually, that's why I was really interested. I think they did a really good job. They, they, they went like three levels of quarterback. They went the great quarterback, like the best quarterback in the game right now the star they went mid-level quarter, or like mid-level to above average quarterback who's had a good career and then they went right fringe starting quarterback who might lose his job and eventually actually did that season and Marcus Mariota like I, I thought there was a direction to why they chose those three guys and I, I think that's a really good way to go about it to see the three different ways how an NFL season plays out for three very different quarterbacks we're not going to
0: spoil any more of episode one nor are we going to race through this can't talk about Kirk Cousins Uh, We'll get to it because I think there's a lot more Kirk. I'll just say this going in, going in my attitude. Demond's laughing about Kirk Cousins. What's your impression of Kirk Cousins?
2: No, you guys want to talk about Kirk Cousins? There's been no Mariota talk. Was he just that boring? They didn't.
0: You know, they actually didn't feature him (laughs) that much because I think they're going to build towards you know his run because he's the one who had a tough season and then had a you know he mysteriously kind of just left the team. Uh, but you know, I want, i definitely—I want to learn more about the Falcons. I want, and especially you know, for betting this year and futures, I want to see a lot more of that Art Smith and find right. out who this guy is because I don't know, man. I don't—that's a weird one. Um, no, they just didn't feature him that much. Um, this is going to sound goofy. Tell me if I sound like a moron on this. I get a real kick out of Hawaiian culture. There's just I—I I just it's—it's it's just unique. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking forward to, like, next week, I'm looking forward if we can get him on the show to talk to Timmy Chang and what they're trying to build there. And a lot of it is, you know, as they say, the, the brotherhood. Or it's, They don't say it like that. But, um, but, but I'm very much into that. So I want to see more of Mariota. I, I, I came into this with an open mind, like, about Mahomes, about his wife, about his brother. Because there's a lot of times I watch stuff and I'm like, man, I, I, had, a, I had a pretty kind of shallow impression of this. And it's the same thing with Kirk Cousins. Like I've never hated Kirk Cousins, but because Kirk Cousins is a, a, a man of faith and seems like kind of a simpleton,
1: like people are very much against and doesn't win the biggest well, games. I'm very pro-Kirk Cousins. You are. Oh, like as a quarterback? And actually, that's why one of my favorite moments – again, you won't spoil much. One of my favorite moments of the doc was his Margaret Thatcher quote. My critics say that if I walked on water, my critics say it would be because I can't swim or something along those lines, like, that's a great line. And it does fit with Cousins, and it goes back to, like, the primetime struggles, what should we watch there. If you tried to make that night, if you tried to make the argument that one of those three interceptions was on Justin Jefferson, nobody would hear it at all when it came to a guy like Kirk Cousins. And the fact that if you were to remove his name and just give you the stats, the numbers, and the career, there would be so many people who would kill for a career like that or for a quarterback like that if you're a fan of a team that didn't have one. But because it's Kirk Cousins and the narrative around him, then that's why he gets the flack that he gets. Now, I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan, to the point where I'll get in fights over Kirk. I'm in.
0: Well, speaking of behind the scenes of the NFL, I would love to be able to pull back the curtain. I don't have the ability to, but someday I'll find out what is happening right now, what is going to happen, get a whole documentary on the franchise tag and the running backs. So we'll get you an update on Josh Jacobs and the franchise tag. Nothing has been extended yet. Saquon Barkley is involved. I think Barkley is a a real big story in this whole mix. And by the way, I mentioned the franchise tag guys who haven't been extended or signed the tag yet. Um, Another one is Tony Pollard running back with the Cowboys. I had the tight end wrong. It was Evan Ingram who just got the franchise tag. But I want to talk about Barkley on the way back because I think he is taking this really seriously in terms of legacy and impact. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas & Mann on
2: ESPN Las Vegas. Vegas. Vegas.
0: Thirty-five minutes left in the program. Damn! Sorry, guys. We just keep running out of time to go hardcore on the A's. I just, it does happen almost every day. I have something slated on the show about the A's. Maybe we'll get to it before the end of the hour. It's an all-star break. We're going to talk Lakers in just a little bit. Uh, well, but the the A's to Vegas and the stuff with the Oakland mayor. Uh, what Manfred is doing and saying is weird. We will uh, we'll hit that in a little bit. But for. Uh, the majority of our listeners, you know who Josh Jacobs is. The NFL is just a billion times bigger than anything else you can imagine. We are just talking about how cool the quarterback docuseries is. Can't wait to watch the rest of it. It's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. Check it out. This franchise tag thing is massive. The deadline's on Monday, 1 o'clock our time. Josh Jacobs is not signed to the tag. I don't think they're going to extend him, so we've got a showdown here. Jacobs has been quiet. Saquon Barkley has not. And the more you, you hear from Barkley, uh, there were reports that he was offered two years and $26 million you know, instead of the one-year deal. But he wants upwards of $16 million on a longer deal, you know, something closer to what Christian McCaffrey makes. I don't blame him. I also don't blame the Giants. But the vibe that keeps coming out on Barkley, because it came out yesterday that uh, Barkley said, well, I might not be ready to play in week one then. Okay. I actually believe that he may not play this year. One, and I, I, have, I said earlier in the hour, I have no idea what Josh Jacobs' financial situation is. If it's funny during the break, you were mentioning about connecting with the quarterbacks, the different quarterbacks on the quarterback uh, deal on Netflix. That you know, Mahomes, you know, looks like they they spend some money. They, right, li- right. they live a pretty good life. And uh, Cousins was kind of mid-level, and it looked like. Mariota, who hasn't made as much money as the other guys, but lives pretty reserved. Right. From what I read about Saquon Barkley, like the second he got into the NFL, uh, going back to Penn State, um, really humble dude and was into managing his money from the get-go. So I'm guessing that he's in a good financial position to just go, you know what, I'll sit out. Now, I believe why he's doing it, one, is self-serving, of course, you know. But the other one is I I actually believe that he thinks that he's helping a cause and that it's a watershed moment for running backs. I'm rooting for him. I hope he does it. I think it it, it sends a message, but I don't know if the message does anything. Right. Like him sitting out, I don't know that it'll do anything. Because it's funny, Le'Veon Bell sat out, really didn't benefit from it, and then came back and was like half the back. And, of course, he wasn't with the Steelers. Like no one remembers that. No one's like, yeah, Le'Veon did it for the rest of us people the revolution. Right. You know, it's like that's not it's not what happened. Now maybe because Barkley's in New York, it's it'll get more coverage,
1: but is he going to change anything by sitting out? No. Because here's the problem too. First off, you're in the worst position literally to do it, to fight that power. You would need like we've talked about this all the time with different topics, but like when we we're talking about in the middle of the Black Lives Matter movement, right? What was one of the big topics? It was, hey, are any of these quarterbacks, the white quarterbacks going to put their name behind this and actually maybe push for this are they going to help because that brings the message forward a a powerful figure is going to help and it's the same thing here with like labor negotiations right which is you can be the best running back but your position has no value so what fight are you going to fight you're only going to put yourself in harm's way you talk about this with people like i've talked about this with people in media you know like are you going to be the lone you know producer that's going to change things in terms of like no probably not like never, I've a,
0: never heard you talk about this before. Right,
1: like you need you need a position of power, <laughs> and like it's just not going to help that you're in a position that is, for the most part, replaceable. Now, I think Saquon Barkley is somewhat unique just given the fact that his team, like if you go back to last year and the reason why Daniel Jones was as successful as he was mm-hmm. was because of what Saquon Barkley did alongside him. So maybe he's in a unique position there. But in terms of changing the big picture... I just don't see how that changes with Saquon
0: Barkley. Giveaway time. Uh, Let's give away two tickets. The uh, show just went on sale this morning uh, at Ticketmaster.com. It's Dita Von Teese, brand-new Vegas residency, Dita Las Vegas, a burlesque review, opens this October at the Jubilee Theater at the Horseshoe Las Vegas. Tickets are on sale. You can grab your your tickets at Ticketmaster.com. Dita Von Teese with a Vegas residency at the Jubilee Theater on, has a pair of tickets right now. 364-1100, 364-1100. On the way back, we'll have a conversation where we're breaking down the Lakers offseason, Lakers here at the Summer League, and if they really can play a bigger lineup moving forward. Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from NBA Summer League
1: on ESPN Las Vegas.
0: All right. We got hooked up. We got hooked up. Go see Kelly, the bartender at the uh, Miller Light Bar. I got my ginger ale. Happy as a clam. Tobles here. It's Cofield. John with v and Hardwood Handicappers. John, you've had a chance to uh, catch up with a bunch of different NBA experts. This guy's getting pretty good on the Lakers, man. hes I know he's on a bunch of our shows. Uh, Jovan Buha. You guys had a long conversation. We may play some of it tomorrow, but I was intrigued by this one because a familiar name comes up during the discussion. Um, this part of the convo, John and Buha were talking about uh, Max Christie, who we had uh, one of the Cam brothers on last week. They do a really good podcast, uh, Brian and Andy Kaminetsky, and the first name they brought up was Max Christie and the future of Max Christie and how he's going to look here at the Summer League. and um, That's where you guys started the conversation, just talking about Christie and – what a good summer league is going to mean for
4: him moving forward. I think he's someone who really can translate a lot of this into the regular season and become a rotation player for the Lakers next year. I think if you look at some of the departures they've had, Troy Brown Jr., Lonnie Walker, Malik Beasley, there's going to be some openings uh, in terms of backcourt wings for this team. So I think if he can do uh, you know, the three-point shooting, getting to the free throw line, uh, some of the mid-range game he's shown, and then his defense, which I think has been really stellar. Yeah. He's been carrying the offense on one end and then defending opponents' best perimeter scores on the other end, averaging 1.8 blocks across his four games so far, uh, including the Cali Classic. So, I think he's looked legit. Uh, the Lakers have done a really good job of finding guys in the second round, uh, yes. undrafted guys, and he looks like the latest gem for them. Where he's really taken a leap. He struggled last year in summer league, uh, did not look like an NBA player at that time. Showed some flashes during the regular season, but really, I think he's taken quite a leap uh, since then.
1: You mentioned because I was going to ask you about this, but it's a natural jumping off point. One of the things that I'll always give the Lakers credit for. Have you have you talked to people or written about the fact that that scouting department and their development is it's really good? Like they have a long track record now, going back a few years of scouting really good players, developing them into guys that like, they've done it for a while.
4: Yeah, that was one of the first stories I wrote uh, back in 2021, uh, soon after I joined the beat, was uh, just interviewing people around the front office and, and getting to know the scouting department and uh, looking at their track record of, again, uh, I, it goes back like almost a decade now, yeah. where, uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma, Larry Nance, Avita Zubots, like they, they've hit with some of the bigger ones, like D'Angelo Russell, Julius Randle, but I think it's really been the late 20s into the second round and fighting an Alex Caruso, finding an Austin Reeves, like. Their drafting, I think, has been you know maybe second to none over the past decade. If you, if you really look at their track record, so um, you know I, I think uh, of course you know some of the trades they've made, some of the free agent signings haven't always panned out, but the draft and their scouting has consistently been uh, I think one of the best in the league. And,
1: and so I think it's too why you watch guys like so like. Jalen Hood-Chefino, good game against Charlotte. Uh, some of these other guys, Maxwell Lewis, the kid with actually Vegas ties. Like when you look at some of these guys and you see some of these performances, I, I can understand why maybe some people get excited because the track record so great. And if they're starting to show it a little bit, I mean, it seems almost like a guarantee that this front office and this staff is going to be able to develop them into some sort of role player at some point. What have you seen from a Jalen hood Shafino so far?
4: Yeah, I think that's a good thing that you just brought up in terms of developing the guys, because yeah. it's not just scouting them and finding yep. them and bringing them in. It's developing them into role players, into rotation guys, starters in a lot of cases. Uh, you know, guys have gone on, like a guy like Thomas Bryant, et cetera. So what with Jalen, I think you, you see, first off, his body. He's six foot 6'5", uh, with a 6'10", wingspan, 220 pounds. Uh, so defensively, he, you've seen him being able to defend multiple positions, and I think that's probably his best skill set right now in terms of translating to the NBA game. Uh, he also has a really good mid-range pull-up. So in the pick and roll, he can kind of snake and you know find an opening in the defense. And a lot of defenses are set to force you to take that shot. But that's probably. His best shot right now. So I think that kind of works into his favor. But uh, in terms of things he has to improve on, three point shooting, That you know, he, he's very open about that of, you know, struggle to shoot at Indiana, struggle in high school, and he's going to need to develop that three point shot. And then I think finishing at the rim is the other thing where, um, you know, he's not the most athletic or explosive guy. So I think if you're not going to be much of a shooter, yeah. you got to be able to finish in the paint and you, you can't struggle in both areas. So I think he, he's still a little bit of a project. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily going to be a Guy for them this season, but if he can kind of figure out one of those two areas, uh, I suspect he has a chance to play. Yeah, he's a hundred to one to win rookie of the
1: year. I would not expect that to be something uh, yeah, uh, no. worth worth looking at. All yeah. right, so uh, we're talking about the summer league stuff. Let's look at the big picture because that's what everybody wants to look at. The Los Angeles Lakers themselves as they head into next season and the storylines with them. So really active, uh, really successful offseason for the most part. Right, re-sign reese Rui Hachimura, D'Angelo Russell, sign Gabe Vincent, Torian Prince, Jackson ace Cam Reddish. Uh, I was reading a report by you. I think you had it just yesterday. You were talking to Rob Palenka, had a media availability, said that they're not done adding size. Who are the candidates to add to the roster right now? Because uh, is it Bisak Piango and Christian Wood?
4: Yeah, so uh, – Two sli- different guys. Well, slim pickings right now, <laughs> yeah, right? So yeah. we're deep into free agency. But we're almost two weeks in. And uh, at this point, the Lakers have 13 guys. The plan is to have 14 and, and leave an open roster spot uh, that they can, you know, sign a guy in the buyout market or acquire an extra guy in a trade, just having that flexibility with the 15th roster spot. We saw them use that ultimately with Tristan Thompson uh, at the end of the season and brought in a a veteran leader who actually gave them some good minutes in that Denver series against uh, Nikola Jokic. So I think for them, the the plan is just signing another center. If you look at the group right now, the one kind of hole in the rotation is the center spot behind Anthony Davis, where it's just Anthony Davis and Jackson Hayes, and most teams carry at least three centers if not four uh, in the modern NBA despite center maybe losing some of its importance right. uh, in recent years. So I think for them, uh, Christian Wood uh, averaged 17 and 7 last year in Dallas. Uh, I think the the two knocks on him are his defense. He's a below average defender. And then he has changed, you know, team to team seemingly every year, seven teams in seven seasons. Uh, and it kind of wears out his welcome in places. And of course, Dallas, you know, not interested in re-signing him. So I think th- there's got to be some concern there just in terms of wh- why does no one want to keep him? And then Bismack Biombo. Uh, older guy in his thirties, uh, but you know, really good rim protector, uh, good rebounder, good screen setter. Kind of just that dirty work, uh, hard nosed, tough guy that I think most teams need off the bench. So I think either guy could provide a, 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 you know a need. I think with Christian, it's if AD misses twenty twenty five games, mm-hmm. you have a guy who can step in and be that starting center and, and kind of hold his own. With Bismack, I think you, you kind of get some of that rim protection that just to you know not let the sink uh, or the ship sink defensively which we saw happen a lot last year when AD was off the floor. So either way, i, I probably prefer Biombo if I'm the Lakers. Right. Uh, I just think they need more defense and rim protection with this group. Uh, I think I trust Biombo a little bit more than Wood. Uh, but uh, it sounds like, based on Rob Polinka's comments, they want someone different than Jackson Hayes, which probably would be Christian Wood. Because he can stretch the floor, Jackson Hayes is more of a, a rim, run, uh, rim runner, lob threat, etc.
1: Because they were sniffing around. Was it Darius Arch at one yeah, point, right? Darius
4: Dar- Dar- Arch was another candidate. And then he ended up signing with Golden State. Yeah, and that
1: would fit a little bit more of the. Wood kind of profile. I, I covered Christian Wood, actually, when he was out here at UNLV for a while. So that's kind of followed him quite a bit, right? Yeah. The the wearing out the welcome and maybe the work ethic thing has been there, but the talent's there, so if somebody can bottle it up, maybe it's a front office like the Lakers. So overall, when we're talking about building depth at center, expanding that out, you had a note in that, I think it was in that piece, are, are they going to go back to maybe more two, like two big lineups? Because last year, I was looking over some of the numbers of cleaning the glass. I think it was less than 50 possessions with Anthony Davis at power forward, but that was the lineup that kind of led them to a title back in 2020 in the bubble was a dual big thing and having Anthony Davis play more at the four, so is that an expectation this year Lakers two uh, two bigs in the front court
4: so publicly they're saying that uh, but I'm skeptical okay. just because one uh, as we just laid out they have two bigs on the roster yep. so it's hard to play a two big system when you have two, two bigs yeah. <laughs> you probably need at least four to, to play more of that system um, I could see more two big lineups I don't think Jackson Hayes has proven himself to be a rotation player let alone a rotation player for a contender so to vault uh, you know vault him into the starting lineup and say, you know, this is our starting center, starting power forward next to AD, I think that's a stretch to me. I think the starters are going to be AD, Rui Hachimura, LeBron James, Austin Reeves, D'Angelo Russell. Uh, So those are the five guys right now I've I've penciled in. I I think Austin, LeBron, and AD are are locks, of course. Um, But I, I think... You could see more two big lineups, and I think adding a third big allows you to kind of get away with that. Uh, but again, Anthony Davis with his track record has missed at least 25 games each season in L.A., so you know at some point he's probably going to miss some time. And you know, at that point, I don't think you can get away with the two. but you're, you're not going to start Pismac, Pismac Bionbo, Bionbo Jackson and, Hayes, yeah. and Jackson Hayes or Christian Wood and Jackson Hayes. It just doesn't really make sense. So I think you're actually going to see a lot of smaller lineups again where Rui hachimura at the five, LeBron James at the five, maybe even some Jared Vanderbilt against certain second units. A lot of bench units you can kind of get away with some of those smaller lineups. So um, it's also been kind of a thing that the Lakers have said. They said it last year. They said it the year before, too big lineup, too big lineup. And like they just haven't found the right centerpieces to fit alongside AD. You know, Maybe Jackson Hayes is that guy. He's young. He's athletic. Uh, maybe the Lakers can find some untapped potential there. But uh, consider me skeptical that right. they're going to go back to this too big look because They've been saying that for a while how much of the moves when
1: it comes to center are thinking forward and knowing that maybe potentially down the road again
4: you're gonna have to get through Nikola jokic at some point it's a big part of it and, and that's where i think this roster is far from done uh, i expect the lakers to be active at the trade deadline again i expect them to be active on the buyout market depending on who becomes available but i, I suspect uh whether it's bionbo or wood you're still gonna have a hole there with, with Biombo. I think it's gonna be on the offensive end. With Wood, it's gonna be on the defensive end. So you still don't have the perfect center rotation. And again, maybe Jackson, you know, 80 stays healthy or Jackson Hayes exceeds expectations and you kind of feel comfortable there. But barring that, yeah. I think they are gonna to have to find a center upgrade or, or a big upgrade at some point in the season. Uh, and then also, you know, is D'Angelo Russell kind of part of this future? Because he really struggled in that Denver series. I don't see anything that's gonna suggest he's not gonna struggle again, the deeper you go in the playoffs. So is he someone they look to flip at the trade deadline? Maybe for a couple of pieces, you go for another big and maybe a guard, promote Gabe Vincent to the starting lineup. So I think they have a lot of optionality with what they can do. But um, I think, I don't think they're done. Like, I don't think this roster is the roster you're going to see post February trade deadline.
0: There you go, Jovan Buha, Lakers insider. got it. I try. (laughs) Every once in a while, I get stuck on certain names, especially first. Yeah. Like, I forget first. That's not good. John Von Tobel. on the conversation there. John, tell people where all your conversations are. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty much daily stuff at Hardwood Handicappers. We're... We're not, are we doing 365 days a year? Can we say conservatively
1: 330 days a year? Yeah, something like that. Three times a week usually. Uh, you know, off season we're fixing some uh, some stuff up. But, hey, NBA win totals just came out, so we'll have some stuff on that coming up uh, next week. Hopefully we're going to land Howard Beck for Friday. So yeah. that'll be cool, national media member. Uh, but you can find all of those. We had more. I got to talk to Matt Moore, who works for the Action Network, covers the Denver Nuggets. That's up on the feed, and we do a lot of good stuff. So I think we do a great job. We actually just have a good uh, crossover episode with our WNBA analyst looking ahead to the second half of the WNBA season from a betting perspective coming up, too. Lakers bigs There's the conversation there
0: about Max Christie He'll be interesting But the Lakers bigs yeah. And I'm glad you guys mentioned Hey, maybe they're going to have a Try to put together a decent core of bigs Because you have to Everyone is going to have to Well, not everyone You may have to defend Jokic In the most important times of the year So Jackson Hayes Who is what? Still 14 years old Very young I mean, very young I wonder what they hope from him. Mm -hmm. And then, swing, on this show, (laughs) Chris Wood. And Chris Wood potentially landing with the Lakers? Right. Oh, baby. But then I hear you guys talking, uh, you know, and where he is right now in terms of his marketability or uh, who he's going to draw for a deal. And I keep hearing defense. So, for you, and I'm sure you have all the metrics, for you... Chris Wood, you know, former UNLV star, best big man of the century for the Runner Rebels. What's the deal with his defense? Is it inability to play defense, or is it a lack of concentration? I would think he's certainly athletic enough. I mean, he's not—he's not strong. He's not going to be, you know, banging with guys
1: who are 270 pounds on mm-hmm. the, inside. What, what's been the problem? I, I think it's just—I la- think it's lack of like lack of will to play defense for the most part. I mean, a lot of the times with bad defenders, it is that. lack of willingness to work on it, the lack of willingness to do what you need to do uh, in a lot of situations where you're talking about being a good defender. And I think a guy like Christian Wood expends a lot of energy offensively, and thus on the defensive end it's not really there. But here's the thing. I mean, he still fits what the Lakers want because he's going to play next to Anthony Davis, a defensive-oriented big who can cover up some of those mistakes. So I think there's a fit there. And it's interesting when you hear the conversation, if you listen to the two names that they're deciding about, right? Bismack Biambo. Or Christian Wood. Those are two completely different bigs that you're talking about to want to fit into your roster. I think ultimately it lands on Christian Wood. They're a team that needs shooting still. It was one of their biggest weaknesses and inconsistencies last year, and he could fit with what they want
0: to do. Further space to floor, too, because as LeBron gets older, he's going to be moving offensively closer to the basket.
1: Yes. And that was part of the issue last year. I mean, look, what the Nuggets did what teams were doing defensively were like, mm, we don't respect your shooters. Just, we're going to put bodies in the paint, and we're just going to see what you can do there with all of the traffic that you have. And that's why I find fascinating talking to Jovan about it. By all accounts, Lakers had one of the best off seasons when it came to free agency, additions, all of that kind of stuff. But it's really cool to look at a team like that who had all the positives like headlines, to look at it from a realistic standpoint. And there's a reality in which career 33.7% three-point shooter Gabe Vincent does not recreate what he did last season in the postseason, that Rui Hachimura becomes Rui Hachimura that he's been the entirety of his career as opposed to a good postseason run, and the Lakers are looking around and saying, hey, we still desperately need what we thought we added in the offseason. Very cool event going
0: on uh, with the Point and Comp, our sister stations, with help of Southern Nevada. They're going to be doing a water drive calling it the water drive extravaganza again it's this saturday 10 a.m to 1 p if you don't know where the office of help southern nevada is it's 1640 east flamingo Uh, they're looking for donations of water so bring by bottled water Uh, you bring by multiple cases they're actually giving out uh, to the first people who bring two or more cases of water get a uh, car wash at terribles all the donations go to people in need especially homeless i mean it's you know hot as hades here we all need to be drinking water but some people don't have access to it To be food trucks um and again steph will be on the scene very cool event help of southern nevada water drive it goes from 10 a.m to 1 p.m. at 1640 east flamingo take part in the water drive with help of southern nevada cofield and company presents
3: grab bag don't touch it don't even look at it
0: only on ESPN Las Vegas.
4: Take your hand in there, Dave.
3: So,
0: I like what we got going on on Cofield and Company because we've got a good rhythm of carrying some topics over. Um, I'm, I'll be honest, the, the, the company members—I mean, it's—it's it's a guarantee none of them like me. But now they're now they've got rivalries amongst each other. Okay. Um, and boy, I told Willie about our fried chicken conversation. <laughs> And that you and McMillan got on him about his steak. And on Monday, Damon, if you noticed, when he sent over his topic list, it was like a big thing about the fried chicken. And I'm like, I'm not doing it this week. Like, we got to let it cool off. I know you guys, and I don't want to turn the whole thing into Armageddon. So we're good on that. The the one that we have carried over the TV discussion, because Willie came at us in a good way he was like hey you need to watch the idol i'm watching it on hbo oh yeah and damon had previously just trashed
2: the show your
0: breakdown was good
2: My bad. I know it is. The show sucks. I mean, it was really just softcore porn. That Sam Levinson, the creator of uh, also Euphoria, like I said, I even Willie's Uncle Paul was like, yeah. yeah, it was it was bad.
0: Paul Anka was annihilating it in text with uh, Willie. So I said, you know what? I only watched the first episode, and Willie seems to like it. And then he sends us little messages, um, and, and then he did a whole thing the other day. It reminds him of like Purple Rain. He's like, oh, it's like nine and a half weeks, and. So I was like, I'm gonna get back into it. I watched episode two. I it was weird. Come on, I gotta tell you. I I was ripping on the weekend, and I told you at the beginning of this, I'm like, I want to see if you can act. I watched episode three, and I know this thing was an utter flop. And they, HBO never cancels anything. You like, you have to suck, right? Like if they if they greenlight you in the first place, they're like, hey, it's good. I watched episode three, and I was like, I think I might like the show.
1: No shot. What was I, it? Well. The thing that got me, have you seen any of it, John? The only thing I've seen is a clip of The weekend, pronouncing carte blanche. Yeah, carte blanche. Carte blanche or whatever. (laughs) The thing is, it's fascinating
0: because he's a poser, but the way he speaks, he's commanding all this respect. Uh, And you know what got me, Daman? Was they're having some sort of discussion with, was that like their chef there?
2: Yeah, that was her personal chef.
0: He smacked the chef. Right in the friggin' face. And the chef was a good sized guy. The weekend's like he's small. Oh and, I, saw I, was, this clip, and yeah. I was like, Whoa. Wait a second. And everyone's on pins and needles. I'm like, this dude's gotta he's gotta go over and annihilate him. And they shamed him and fired him. And I'm like, I'm in on this weekend character now. And then there was a whole dinner scene where I was just waiting for people to like get punched in the face. Like that that kind of that edge, like like being worried, like oh, what's going to happen here? I I think I'm in, uh, and I'm you know what? I'll be honest, the smuttiness, I'm dealing with it, I'm dealing with it. You know, I don't I don't love it. I'm dealing with
1: it. <laughs> Something you're very <laughs> against.
2: But my problem is, Steve, you mentioned oh the tension. What's going to happen next? They give you no reason for why everyone treats this man, this poser, yeah. with so much gravitas.
1: I I know oh, that's a man. but I
2: think we're going to get there. Don't spoil it. I'm I mean we're going to get there like just so far 3 episodes isn't in. Isn't
1: that the, isn't that the lesson though too? Like it, I the, the one of the things I have learned in this profession and in many other professions yep. it doesn't matter what you know, it's who you know, and how you carry yourself. Yep, it's how you carry yourself. And if you come in with confidence, there are times like, the other day, I'll give you an example. They had a great tech expo here in the Mendenhall Center. They were, like, all these the NBA gave out all this money to invent stuff and, like, check out, whatever. Yeah. I went in and I folded, like, a piece of paper. Like, I was like, I don't belong here. This is insane. Yep. People are People are looking at my badge and giving me dirty looks. Like, I was like, I can't do this. I'm out. But if I would have walked in there and been like, show me your stuff! I'll bet you I had everybody around. I hate this
0: character, but I'm enthralled by it. And, like, I'm waiting for the moment. Like, when when does it finally snap and he screws up and he gets thrown off a bridge? <laughs> so you don't spoil it for me. Okay. I will watch the rest of it. But I, I think I
2: might be more on Willie's side now. Did you get to the let me catch you looking at her again part? Uh, no. Okay, so they haven't gone shopping yet?
1: I'm watching Secret Invasions on Disney+. Plus.
0: Oh, yeah, i got to catch up Go. on that. Man, I'm like, what a life we have. We have all this time to watch TV. There's a lot of good stuff on right now. i got to catch up big time. Thanks to Thomas and Mac. Thanks to the NBA Summer League for hosting the show today. Great job by Damon. Really good setup by – great setup by Mateo. John, thank you. Good interviews. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll be back out here on the scene. Lots of good guests and more coverage of the NBA Summer League.
4: The Houston Astros are in Orange County to take on the Angels, Sunday starting at 3 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100
3: a.m. and 100.9 FM, KWWN.